0: You know, like, how does your family spell love? T-I-M-E, time. And it's like, you know, your clients are the same way. It's like you gotta, you know, be able to manage your time because that's how your family knows you love them, that's how your clients know you love them. (laughs)
1: Welcome to Let's Talk Real with Mel. We're here with Jason Ferby and the Ville, Louisville from Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky, Kentucky. Right, and we're here in New York City at the Inland Conference. Um, you're a real realtor there. Tell us a little bit about what you're. Uh, and first, welcome. Thank you, uh-huh. thank you. Tell us a little bit about your what about who you are about your and where, what you do. What your real estate business looks like.
0: So. Uh... I'm an agent. Just kind of started expanding with a little bit uh, of a team. I've got an agent who's also helping out with marketing. And then I've got another guy who uh, joined me. He's been in the business for a couple of years and he's working with me as like a listing partner, agent partner, also helping out with the buyers and, you know, converting online leads. I've been doing it for 26 years, essentially, you know, by myself until the last couple of months. And I've got some great people working with me. So very excited.
1: So 26 years, 25 years and 10 months as a Solo agent, yes. In so. the last two months, now you're starting to grow the team because you've been um a little bit a little busy, right? I've been what, a little busy, what, a little busy. twenty four seven side of real estate? Yeah. What's your um What's your transaction count look like? Like last year, would you? I think last
0: year we were like eighty six deals. The year before we were at one hundred and two deals, and the volume went thirty six million the year before, and then like thirty three last year.
1: Okay, so you didn't, even though you went down twenty percent in transactions bought sales prices probably went up about 20
0: percent so the average prices went up a little bit and i do a lot of like you know high-end real estate you know i'm affiliated with sotheby's so we get a lot of exposure to the luxury market and then i also do a lot of lot sales and development for some of the builder clients i have okay so then it kind of swings your average sales price although we did have some of the lots that were 500 and 350 and you know, two fifty, so we didn't still have some expensive lots also. Okay. But I gotta write the average down a little bit, we got the unit count up.
1: Yeah, but 30, 30, $33 million, 36 million. that's a nice not bad for cause you're able to eat, um you can put a little peanut butter with the, your jelly. Not 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 really not, not too bad. Right. Not too bad. Got okay. some fresh bread to go with. Right. Right. Not, not the hens. That's right. So you can have the, the middle part of the, the bread. That's right. So and and right now you you added a uh, a buyer's agent
0: or a listing partner. Yeah, so I'll call him like an agent partner because you know, it's like I'm trying to focus more on like the team and lead generation and kind of scaling up. So, you know, like some of the smaller listings, you know, it's like I'm kind of or smaller things that might be a little more rural, you know, it's like I'm bringing him on, you know, in like a 50-50 split and we're like kind of working the listings together. I mentor him along in the process, kind of coordinate the marketing aspect of it now with, you know, the marketing, you know, person and it kind of saves me up some more time to kind of focus on, you know, generating, you know, other business and leads. Right, time—that's the one thing we can man. I, I always think about it like this. Brian Tracy, a long time ago, said, "You know, like how does your family spell love? T I N E. Time." And it's like, you know, your clients are the same way. It's like you got to, you know, be able to manage your time because that's how your family knows you love them. That's how your clients know you love them. That's true. I hadn't heard that before. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah. So 26 years in real estate, what made you decide to get, I mean, what what made you decide to get in this crazy business? Oh, my gosh. So my career path was a little different than most. So uh, when I graduated college, I went to work for uh, Edward Jones, which is a finance company. The college I went to, Wabash College, a small school in Indiana. The head of Edward Jones was a graduate of that school, and he was the chairman of the company and a member of the New York Stock Exchange, et cetera. So they had a recruiting program that kind of came out of there. So started out at Edward Jones and Swiss to A. V. Edwards. I was uh, based in the finance field, trying to tell people how to advise their money. And of course, you know, at 23, 24 years old, when you don't have any, it's a little hard to get people to kind of, you know, come around to it. So my mom at the time, she was coaching with Mike Ferry. She was one of Mike's first 12 one-on-one coaches. And Mike looked at her business and said, you gotta quit selling in Southern Indiana. You gotta go to the Kentucky side and expand your business to get the average price point up. So then she started to do that. That was in 95 when she kind of got dual license in both states. And then in 97, she took me out to a superstar retreat. I got to meet the agents and kind of see young professionals and professionals in real estate where my impression for whatever reason of realtors was like old ladies with big hats and Cadillacs. I don't know why, but that was my impression. So you know, I got to go out to uh, Palm Desert, you know, get to meet a lot of people that really treated real estate as a profession. And then I thought about, it's okay, here's my mom, successful. I can help her scale and grow her business. And then at the same time, you know, at 24 years old, I'm going to know a lot more people that are going to buy, you know, at the time, you know, 100, 150 thousand dollar house, and are going to have 100 thousand dollars, you know, in an annuity to roll over, where you'd make about the same commission. So I thought it was a lot more opportunity for me. Okay. And then you know, three years later, mom relocates to the Hamptons. You know, she takes her average sales price of 125 to two and a half million, okay. so that was a big change for her. But uh, you know, I was already in the business, I was doing well, and I enjoyed it, and kind of continued on
1: from there. So you kind of like had a family business, but Little took f- a roundabout and kind of
0: yeah. came back in the fold. Yeah, kind of started out in the family, and then uh, when she re- relocated, just kind of stuck with it. So you've been through. Multiple cycles,
1: yes, of, of this at, at twenty at twenty six years of the business, kept coming in ninety five. Um, not just one kind of adjustment, correct? But um,
0: I guess that'd be two or two. I mean, really, 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 really. I'd kind of say like we had the 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 one major swing that took kind of took place from you know two thousand seven into eight when we kind of hit our peak, you know, into two thousand eleven and two thousand twelve where it started to turn and come the other direction. So really I feel like it was like one major cycle. And you know, a lot of the newer agents right now, I feel like they're kind of looking at the market right now and they're like, oh my gosh, like, you know, it's not like transaction, transaction, transactions. Like it's been the last three years. For me, I'm like, oh, this feels like a normal winter. You know, when we kind of hit that cyclical market, there's a lot of phone calls, there's a lot of lead follow-up, there's a lot of conversations about when the right properties are ready or when the timing is ready. And it's not that, you know, dramatic sense of urgency we've had the last three years. But it's still, like, the same conversations we always had. You know, we did two offers this week. You know, uh, Jack did another offer for us. So it's like, you know, we should still hit, you know, one to two transactions, you know, right now. And we kind of feel pretty optimistic about what's going to happen in the spring. So you, so what, what what I hear you saying is that you you get to do your job. I get
1: to do my job. Right. I get to do my job. Maybe, last, maybe two, last, last year, maybe it was just... We weren't getting to do our job as much. It was, it was happening really fast. Yeah, if you want
0: to say that one of the key components of your job is the prospecting elite follow-up, then we definitely are going to need to do more of our job right now. Right. And that's a good lesson, I think, to to agents out there or any
1: entrepreneurs out there that now is the time to work, right? I mean, yeah, you know, not now is the time to retreat. I think a lot of... You, you, you hear, on the, if, you're, if you pay attention to the, the, the headlines, everyone's saying, oh, just go in a shell and hide and come
0: out and it'll all be better. But yeah, it started to feel that way like when we hit that, you know, start of the the pandemic, you know, there that uh, February, March, as it was starting to come out, everybody was like a little uncertain. And then all of a sudden it was like, the interest rates and everybody's like, looking at it like, if I'm going to be at home, I need something different. And so it was like a complete dramatic change. But now it's like, we've got to get back to work. We've got to do the prospect. We've got to do the lead follow up because you're not going to sell anything if you don't work. Right. Yeah, no, that's for sure. That's one way. If you don't swing the bat, Right. Definitely gonna hit the... Zero. Right. You gotta get
1: more, more chances of bat. Right. So so I know you're doing kicking ass now. I'm sure it wasn't always the case. You know, how what did, what did your business look like when
0: your mom moved out and then you're like, oh, I'm by myself now. So when mom and I were together, you know, she was always in the 60 transaction range. And then when we teamed up, the three years that we were together, we were 120 to 130 transactions per year. You know, that was, you know, 90s, 90, 899 and into 2000 and then when she left i was kind of like had a little bit of a burnout so i just kind of like slowed down and for years i would always kind of be like in that you know 55 to 70 range as far as like the the number of transactions but the biggest difference was it's like you know i kind of started to get in a little bit into like the higher price points before we kind of hit that last recession and you know the average sales pricing you know crept up into the 380 to 400 range and then all of a sudden it's like then when everything changed well you got to kind of change your your model so then there were a lot of opportunities in the investor area so i started doing a lot of the hud foreclosures i wasn't a one of the hud listing agents but you know i had a lot of buyers that were still in good financial positions and we went out and we got them properties and we did flips and we did rentals and we did investments and we got them in a lot of other avenues and fortunately like you know i had two partners one of them flipped everything. One of them like did a flip. and was like, no, I should keep these. And he kept them. those homes had tripled in value. So he's really excited. Okay. you know, But it was, uh, we still kept the same units up. You know, it's just your income went, went down by 50% because the average price point went down by 50%. But we were still doing the business and it still kept us going. And then I think when we kind of came out of that, you know, into 2012 into 2014, I really felt like my business kind of, you know, really took a huge jump because we went from, you know, doing the number of units to then you know increase the number of units and then doubling almost tripling the average sales pricing right
1: yeah that's what they say the big the best thing to change your change your environment is to literally change your environment yeah so basically going taking your same business that you're doing in location x and going to location y yeah if prices are double you can sell half the house yeah half the work make
0: the same money it's almost kind of like you know when we kind of hit the last recession it's like who moved my cheese it was like okay my cheese was over here you know, in the large single family homes, and then it moved over here to the rentals and the investments and the flips, and then it moved back over to the luxury homes. Uh yeah. So let me ask you, with your, your investor clients, since you've got a big portfolio. There's is not a lot of cash. I'm looking for some deals, you know, and yeah. hopefully we'll have a lot of opportunities, you know, come. Do you do that as a near sure? I don't do any management, so I kind of do it as a little bit of like good faith with these clients, so. Apartments, I think you may need a property manager or you need the ability to Uh, manage them yourself like it's more of like you know your your job at that point but the single family rentals for the most part they're so easy to maintain if you get a good tenant so with the properties that I've sold that are the single family rentals I basically you know charge like a a thousand bucks is usually what it is five hundred dollars for a cooperating commission if another agent brings the prospective tenant and then 500 to me just kind of cover the cost of like just kind of doing the paperwork and you know, having some money go to the broker to, you know, kind of cover for their time and things and processing. But one, it provides a good service, you know, to those investors. But two, you know, if I take the property and uh put it on the market, you know, for almost everyone that we put up for rent, we either take that tenant and they become a buyer, or, you know, somebody's like not realizing that they could actually go buy something instead of rent something, especially now like rental rates gone up dramatically in our market and across the country as a whole and I think that's going to continue with interest not really interest rates but well the higher interest rates I think a lot of buyers are going to be kind of stuck renting you know and they're already adjusted to the higher you know rental rates so it's been really good because um it's an easy process so what we do is we basically kind of take our preferred uh lender. so if you take a single family home You know, you've got your electrical, your plumbing, your roof, your HVAC. Those are pretty much the four main components. Roof, you're probably not gonna have anything that's gonna be an emergency on a roof. But you know, HVAC, plumbing and electrical, you can. So what we do is we just say, you know, look, if you can't reach, you know, you can call me, which I'm not really a property manager, but like I'll help coordinate a call. But most of the time we just say, look, call the owner. And if you can't get a hold of the owner right away and it's an emergency, call one of these three vendors. And we have a trusted electrician, a trusted plumber, a trusted HVAC guy that we know are going to give us fair pricing and making the repairs, and then we, you know, let them contact them and get it done. Pretty strange. It's, it's been pretty easy, man. I now on the apartment that. side, I think there's a lot more moving parts, so it's a little harder. Yeah, to do I it, it that think. way. think Maybe we need we need some we need
1: your help but with some of our DC, uh, yeah, Maryland and Virginia uh, property management stuff. But there you go. You don't say. So you don't. Are you no doing problem. a lot of property management? We're, we're doing some, um, and it's it's challenging. You know, DC is one of the. Uh, most uh Mm pro-tenant places in the whole country oh yeah um so it's um it can be challenging yeah
0: but i mean they're you know it's not part of my model that you know for what i do in my business but i've got friends that are doing it you know they're managing 400 500 units and if they're getting you know seven and a half to ten percent of those you know monthly rents i mean that's a huge business yeah Yeah. and it's really stable up up markets down markets right yeah people people need That's true. Or they should. They shouldn't. Well, it's kind of funny. It's like, I don't know how many times you come across this. People look at their retirement accounts, their 401Ks, their SEP IRAs, and it's like they've got their wealth advisor who's managing that money, who's looking at the markets, trying to help them make the right decisions. But then when it comes, if they think about buying a piece of real estate, it's like they feel like they got to do it on their own. Like, if you can get a wealth advisor for your retirement accounts, why can't you get a wealth advisor, you know, for your real estate? And it could be the agent who, you know, sells it to you, could also partner with, you know, another property manager.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, and the thing is, what's crazy is that in those situations, most of the time, the real estate assets are a higher value
0: than the, I'm uh, uh, looking at like client. what's happened to my sub account the last six months, definitely. right? Definitely. All <laughs> yeah. uh, my real estate assets are still good, but, yeah, real but the uh, uh, stock market assets. Yeah,
1: there's never, there's never real estate, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, real estate's always going up. Always going up to some extent, always go up too. They sure have bigger, um, sometimes
0: have bigger dips. That's true. A friend of mine who's basically built his entire career around investing in real estate, he kind of gave me a simple scenario one time, and, and now it's like we probably have to scale the numbers up to make it work, but let's just use it, you know, for the time that he told me the story. So he's like, okay, if you've got $10,000 cash, you can put it in the stock market, you get a 10% return, that's gonna compound. So the first year you've got a thousand, the next year you've got, you know, 1100 and it's compounding and compounding on that $10,000. And that's at a historical rate of return of, let's say, 10%. But you take that $10,000 and let's say that you could, you know, find financing for a $100,000 house. That's why this story was a long time ago. Now it's, you're not going to find a $100,000 rental property, at least not in Kentucky anyway. But, you know, when the story was told, we could go find a nice $100,000 house. And you could pretty much state that the cash flow would offset any kind of maintenance and taxes. And if you just looked at the appreciation, if you got three percent appreciation on that hundred thousand dollar home the historical rate of appreciation for real estate, you were getting three thousand dollars on your ten. it was actually a thirty percent return on your cash from cash return and it was like just such a simple analysis that sometimes you know why don't we put you know buy more property and yeah, I think it's it's um i would
1: I would guess that it's fair, you know even even amongst real estate professionals sometimes they're they're paying attention, unfortunately, to the to some of the headlines, yeah, and
0: and and not doing themselves or their clients a, a, a proper service. But so let me ask you this question. So I was thinking about this in a conversation recently, and I look back at like the different properties I've owned, whether they were rentals or flips, or I've lived in them, and thought about it this way: What do I regret more? Like the ones that I bought or the ones that I sold? It was always the ones that I sold. What would you say? Yeah, no that that that's got to be
1: the case because all of them are worth significantly more than they were. Yeah, then
0: a couple of times I'd sell them. I'm like, I can't believe this house is worth this much. Right. I'm not going to pay that, so I'll sell it. Right. And then now it's worth you know exponential more. Right. Yeah. The market always
1: goes up. Yeah. So yep. I'm not going to do it again. So tell tell me, I know you you in your whole career you've got lots of stories. Is there one that that comes to mind that of a, either a client story or a house story or or some some situation that
0: was, um, you know, maybe outside the norm. I mean, there's always stories that you can tell. You know, most of the stories that I always kind of focus on are like transactional stories, like when a seller did something, a buyer did something, as part of a negotiation, what happened? To help you use that story to kind of talk about the current transaction I'm involved with, to like tra- use that experience to try to help advise someone or show them like other experiences on what's happened, you know, good or bad. Um, but, you know, a lot of realtors have like, you know, some just crazy stories. I mean, I guess, uh, you know, in essence, I've got two that I guess are kind of funny. Okay. One is, uh, you know, Saturday morning, They agent confirms the showing. The buyer and I are walking through the house. It's a mess. We're talking about what a mess the house is, and like can't believe that, you know, anybody would leave their house to be shown in this manner. And then we open one of the bedroom doors, and somebody's laying in bed. It's like, <laughs> oh, right." And then another day w- I- Huh? Were they sleep or awake? Or uh, t- sleep? Uh, I think they were pretending to sleep at that point. Right. It was, uh, probably, it was equally embarrassing for both oh, us. I think and, we're done at the showing. Yeah, yeah, we're done. And then the other time that I had was, um, you know, I drive a truck. I think a truck, you know, one, it's a good tax write-off compared to, you know, some of the automobiles, but the trucks, to me, they're so nice. I use them to show clients. You know, it helps me out when I'm showing, you know, farms and land and different properties I can kind of drive around. So I've got a referral and. You know, his budget's very open, you know, anywhere from, you know, 1 million to 30 million, you know, for what we're looking at. And I've got a proof of funds that shows, you know, well in excess of $100 million in just one account. So I take the person out to go show him property and we wanna go drive around this farm. I mean, it's late November, the ground feels frozen and we start to go out into the middle of the field to drive around this property and we get stuck in like 12, 18 inches worth of mud. It was just super soft where it had been plowed a couple of months before from a soybean crop. And oh my gosh, it's like to have somebody who's got him and his wife and his daughter all in the car together in the middle and then we get stuck in the mud. So then it's like I had to get his out because I go back up to the barn, we grab some boards, you know, put it in there. I'm trying to push it, he's trying to rock it. It was just one of the most embarrassing things. Did he- the guy was really cool about it. Like, okay, you know, he, I mean, it was farmland and he was like a, you know, extremely smart, you know, business person. But, you know, he was like a, you know, he was kind of like more of a farmer's soul. Okay. So, you know, non-judgmental, but really embarrassing for me because, you know, it's like, I think I can take my truck. I'm used what? to driving around property. So anyway, the truck got a new set of tires after that. They're a little more capable. And did he buy, did he buy the land? Uh, he did not buy that. We're still looking, trying still to find the right okay. property.
1: Yeah. All right. So let me answer this. Oh, I have a quote. Let me, let me show the quote of the day. All right. What do you got? All right. Hold on. Right on time. Real estate investing, even on a very small scale, remains a tried and true means of building an individual's cash flow and wealth. And that's from Rich Dad Poor Dad's Robert Kiyosaki. Oh yeah, yeah, that's very true. All right, so
0: let me answer this. If you put a quote in every podcast, we do. Yeah, and you heard earlier today that like the quote only means so much is you kind of say what's substantial behind that.
1: Yeah. So well, it's it's right along the lines of what we're talking about. Yeah. You can take that that ten thousand dollars and invest it in a $100,000 asset that's gonna grow based on the asset, or $10,000 that's cash on cash that's gonna invest and grow on its own. Very true. And I think, that, um, obviously, leverage. So we were talking about leverage, growing your team, Yes, as you're starting to do. Where do you see yourself, um, I mean, three years, five years, in terms of your team, your volume, where do you wanna go?
0: You know, it's like, it, it's so hard to kind of imagine, you know, like, what direction we could take it. Let's just say, I don't know what direction I'm gonna go, but I'm really excited, and it's like, you know, having, you know, two good team members just immediately, like, you know, starts to give me the confidence to, like, you know, try to do more to, you know, help them grow, help me grow, and, you know, it really feels like a team effort, and I love the guys that are, are working with me, so I'm just really excited. Yeah, so, because so we'll see what happens. You're, you're a bit of a- Have me back next year. Or, you're a bit of a control freak, Ryan, you like to, to- Well, you, when you do everything on your own, oh, and it's like, it's hard to delegate. Yeah, you know, I've, I've met a lot of people in this industry that come in as attorneys, and they go from being an attorney to to real estate. Like, the, you, you know, it's you don't ever see doctors come into real estate, when I mean, you see a lot of attorneys, but attorneys are very good at, like, delegating. You know, they go got through a pair of legal teams, they focus on what they're supposed to do, they delegate, and it's like, I think we can learn a lot as agents, you know, just to, like, let everybody be their specialty on their team. Like, you don't have to wear every hat, and, you know, take the time to, to get delegate so you can focus on, you know, what's best for us. Yeah. Well, what's best for our time.
1: Right, and, be- and best for the client. Yeah. Because w- sometimes I know you, we're not actually necessarily doing our clients a good service when we're trying to do everything. Oh, yeah. You know, I know I've experienced that and then realize you know what, I should have let someone handle this because I'm not s- really
0: serving. Right. When you're out in the field, you're showing properties or meeting with clients, somebody calls about a contract to close question on a transaction that's in processing, you've got to, you know, stop, look back through all your notes and it's like when you're out in the field, then next thing you know, it's like you might have a couple hours before you can get that information together. Whereas if you've got a team and everybody's got access to the files, you know, somebody can get in there, get that information, get it to them, lot like, quicker. Yeah. So.
1: so, yeah, no, so that, that's a good observation um, and a, and a good point. Yeah. What, let me ask you, if I wanted to, if I was in Louisville... Okay. ...or knew some people in Louisville mm-hmm. and wanted to either maybe join your growing team... Yeah, that or... would be you. Come on, let's go. <laughs> no, Come on no, down. No. Or say we wanna we wanna buy some farm, some land, how lots,
0: how will we reach you? What's the best way to reach you? Uh jasonfairby.com is my website, or jason at jasonfairby.com or 502-649-5181. Okay. Call me, shoot me a text, DM me on Instagram uh, at JasonFairby.realtor Okay, we got it. So that's the way to reach you. We appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, brother. Right. I appreciate it.